This is the Stop Time Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Hopkins, and I'm here to engage you in thought-provoking motivational conversations around practicing the art of living in the moment. I'm a certified life coach, and I'm excited to dig deep and offer insights into embracing who we are and where we are at. My next guest made her Broadway debut starring opposite creator Lin-Manuel Miranda in the final Broadway cast of the four-time Tony and Grammy award-winning musical In the Heights. Her Broadway career continued with starring roles in Wicked, Rent, High School Musical, and Into the Woods, where she performed opposite Emmy-nominated actor Titus Burgess. She was most recently seen on Broadway as Princess Jasmine in Disney's Aladdin. Praised as compelling and radiant by Variety Magazine and powerful by the New York Times, she has been called one of the greatest theater artists of her generation, with a powerful voice who could sing her way to world peace. It is with great pleasure that I introduce you all to Ariel Jacobs. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. So where are you calling in from today? I live in New York City, just um, on the just in Queens, right across from uh, the United Nations, right on the East River. And have you been there um, all the way through the pandemic? Were you in New York? No, I actually, so I was right when pandemic happened, it was four days after my wedding. And, and I had two weeks left to play Jasmine in Aladdin on Broadway. So right after my wedding, I had three shows as Jasmine. It was supposed to be my final two weeks. And after the third show, we got the call that everything was shutting down. Mm-hmm. So, and at first I thought it was like going to be a few days. And so I kept, you know, messaging my stage manager, like, when are we coming back? Because I thought I would get a few more shows in because I didn't know it was my last show when it was my last show. Yeah. And, um, and then when they kind of announced it would be at least 30 days, I thought, well, then I'm not, that was it. My show, my contract was going to be up in two weeks. So that's Mm -hmm. it. So I was supposed to go right into a new show uh, between the lines that Jody Pico wrote. And um, I was supposed to go right into that off Broadway, but then that of course got postponed. So my husband and I decided to leave New York city. We decided I, I was getting really freaked out because I, we live in a high rise building mm-hmm. with a lot of shared space. And at the time I was really worried about, I, we kind of, you know, everyone had a hunch that COVID was circulating through the air but I didn't know how bad it was. Like, could it come through the vents from an apartment above me through the air vents into my apartment? And we share elevators. You know, every time I take my dog out for a walk, I'm in a shared small space. So we decided to leave and thank God his family, he lives, his family's in Miami. He's from Miami and his dad uh, has an extra guest house that just sits there for family when people come to visit. So we got really, we got really lucky because we could drive down there stay in this house, this empty house, and they had an extra car we could use. So we lived in Miami for six months and we didn't see anybody even there. We were right across the street from his family and we didn't see them hardly at all. Like we waved sometimes if they Mm. were walking by, but we didn't hang out with anyone for six months. And that was our, (laughs) our honeymoon. (laughs) (laughs) I was gonna, I was gonna say, what about the honeymoon? But, but kind of good timing in a way, right? I mean, from from that point of view. From that point of view, it was okay. Um, And it was, you know, a beautiful place to be. It was sunshine and Miami was just like perfect weather all the time. So it was, we were so lucky 
And I felt really calm. I felt almost um, guilty because everyone in New York that I knew was really, really, really struggling. And I get that because in New York, it's really hard if you can't leave your apartment, which is a shoebox. And some people are, you know, have roommates. And so everybody's in a shared space, in a tight space with so much uncertainty and fear. And for us, we were, you know, we were in like a two-bedroom house with each other and lots of space and fresh air and sunshine. And and then we decided to come back after six months. Um, I think just because, you know, it seemed that was, you know, before Delta came out and we were like, okay, I think things feel like New York's not as bad. And, um, yeah, so we came back here and, you know, struggled through the winter of New York City winters, but, <laughs> but it wasn't as scary, especially with the news of the vaccine coming out and everything. Yeah, no, absolutely. Oh, thanks for sharing that. That's really interesting. I'm kind of glad I asked. I had no idea that, um, you said four days from, from your wedding, right after your wedding, this, this all happened. Yeah. <sighs> we wow. got really lucky because the day after our wedding, uh, we found out that every other wedding in, we got married in Tulum in Mexico. Okay. And apparently, you know, weddings are in Tulum all the time. It's such a pop and popular place. But then apparently every wedding for the rest of 2020 got canceled the day after ours. So, so much, so much has shifted, right? Since, since the pandemic, which is obviously still here, but since that time, what has shifted for you in your world? Like what are some of the major shifts that, that you've sort of observed? Um, a lot of a lot has happened for me personally during pandemic as well. I lost my father in February. Mm, I'm sorry. And so getting used to that difference. Um, mm-hmm. It's weird. I don't. I don't really. I haven't talked about it a lot. So it's just bringing up a lot of feelings. Of course. Um, but aside from aside from that and losing you know such an integral part of my life i think i have had a lot of positive growth in the vision of what i can see for my future outside of performing and i think that I always had a vision that I would do more than just performing, but I think now I have, now it's really, really, really clear um, and very close on the horizon. I'm, I'm currently about to launch two businesses that have nothing to do with performing mm-hmm. because I, <laughs> my husband says, um, <laughs> acting is a beautiful way to make a life and a terrible way to make a living. Mm. There's just not a lot of, financial security in this career and and I always knew that but I always just had faith like I'm gonna get another job and then I'll pay off my debt and I think now um now I'm taking more control of that situation Mm. so I think pandemic and being married to a really genius man who has a business mind (laughs) he's an actor (laughs) as well but he just he his father's a businessman and he just has that mind and I think that pandemic has shifted me to not just being an an artist and an actor and a singer, but really being a a multi-business woman, an entrepreneur, a 
Um, I have had ideas in the past that I didn't know how to, what to do or how to launch. And now I'm taking steps towards that. Mm-hmm. And I think having the space to do it in pandemic really does, it, it made a huge change. It was, I, I was able to focus on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like I've grown three-dimensionally a lot. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I can hear that. And it's, it sounds like it's sort of a vision that, that was on the back burner kind yeah. of looming, right? Kind of simmering maybe in your life, but you're doing so well and you're young and, you know, things, you, you strike me as a very sort of, you know, go with the flow, things are going well, so let's just keep going in that direction sort of person. And and that this shone light on not fear, not like, oh my God, like, you know, some people say acting is, you know, not the best it's not secure. When I hit a certain age, I need to move towards it. I'm not hearing that at all from you. I'm really hearing that this is an opportunity for, for me to actually focus on the things that are part of me, you know, not, not out of fear, not of, not of fear that it'll never come back, but rather about, Oh, I've got time now. Mm -hmm. Let's see where this goes. Talk to me a little bit about that. Is that, does that land for you? Yeah. And it's funny. I never thought that I would you, you know, you mentioned like a lot of people think you get to a certain age and you're going to have to shift into something else. And I don't feel like that. I don't ever feel like I'll have to stop performing or singing or acting. No. Yeah, I mean, even when I'm much older and there's fewer roles, I think there will be fewer opportunities, but I'm not going to stop. Yeah. And because I know that, it's like, well, what else, how else will I spend my time doing what I love? What else do I love? And what else do I love that can create wealth for my, you know, for my family. And, um, yes, I had a lot of time during pandemic to, to kind of create those things. And I guess I did before too, but my mind was, my mind was, you know, focused on the shows I was doing and what I had to learn and prepare. And there's so much that goes into preparing for a show before you're on that stage. And even when you're on that stage, I was in Aladdin for two years on Broadway that was my longest Broadway contract because before I was in Wicked for a year and I did In the Heights for a couple months after my national tour, where that was a year long. And so that being in a show, even when the rehearsals are done, there's not a lot of brain power because yeah. you have you have to put so much into that performance every night that it's I find it hard to do other things at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless it's more performing, I guess, because that's the same road. Because a lot of times I'll be in a show at night, but then during the day I'm in rehearsals for a brand new musical that someone's working on. Mm-hmm. So, but those are like similar avenues. Yeah. yeah. Same part of the brain, kind of, same right? Same part of the brain, and one helps the other. If I'm in rehearsal for a new project, my performances at that same, like that night and that following week are so fresh because mm-hmm. I've, you know, shifted into you know, acting up off of new people with new material. And that just gets me my, my reactions. And and I think my reactions are different. I think differently words will hit me differently when I'm in a show, I'll be much more present. So, um, so yeah, but, but in terms of really creating a a side business, I know people have done it. I just haven't been one of them. (laughs) 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 Yay. It's very exciting. No, it's very exciting. So I'm just curious, like what, what values do you think cross over 
that that you're still serving in whatever it is you can either share or not share but whatever the the non sort of theater track things that you're going to pursue well i'll go back to what you're saying just a second ago about feeling like you don't miss it that's an interesting thing because i have so many friends during pandemic who didn't know who they they, they lost their identity mm-hmm. they couldn't perform and they didn't know who they were mm-hmm. and i didn't feel like that at all i i love acting and performing but if I can't do it, I haven't lost myself. I, I, and it doesn't mean I don't love it. I absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. And when I get to do it, I, I light up inside. And I, I, for the next week, I'm about to do um, a reading for a new musical in the room together. I've done some readings over Zoom, over pandemic, but this is a different show in the room with all the creative team and all the actors. We had to do our COVID, you know, PCR tests and prove our vaccination status and all of that. Um, but I, I'm the giddy at the thought of being in the room with people. Yeah. So it's not like, it's not like, oh, I didn't, I didn't feel like I lost anything when I couldn't perform. So maybe I shouldn't be doing it. It's not like that at all. No. Um, but I think what I, oh gosh, what I love about acting and the values that I hold that I am bringing into the other parts of my life and the other things that I'm building. I think it's all about self-expression. I think what I love about acting and singing is being able to express hmm. I, I found on a personal level that I it feels vulnerable to express things in my real life so when I'm given a character who has to express things, I go so fully into it because it's a, I'm allowed to and encouraged <laughs> to. So in my characters, when they're feeling something, I am in it and I am really feeling it so I can communicate it because I'm allowed to and encouraged to because I'm an actor. <laughs> but then in my real life, in my real life, you know, if I'm really feeling something, and, and I, I suppose a lot of people feel this way, you know, it, the, the other things that I'm doing besides acting, it's not like I'm expressing my emotions in those things, but it is expressing something. Um, one, you know, one is just like getting, so one of the businesses is, is a wellness company that my husband and I are building. It's called Sancta Via which is a made up word. It means the way of the sanctuary. Mm. And it's a, it's a longevity practice. That's a lot of stuff combined together, like how to figure out what your body does and how to make it, how to have the best quality of life you physically can for your whole life. Mm-hmm. And that business is also about expression. It's about being able to express having the, capability and facility to express yourself throughout your whole life and you know the other business I'm doing is a little more creative I'm doing I have a a rescue dog that we got three years ago and um I was trying to figure out what to call him on Instagram (laughs) so he could have an Instagram page and I was in Aladdin my castmate Don Daryl Rivera he said well what are you going to call him the Broadway pup and I was like that's good (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh. so i did i called her the broadway pup and 
And I thought, I'm going to find him all this Broadway gear. I'm going to take pictures of him and all these Broadway things to like promote him online. And found out that they don't exist. There's a lot of theater Broadway-related merch for humans, but not for animals. So that's my other business I'm starting is like Broadway-related doggy accessories. <laughs> it's a huge um outlet of self-expression for me because yeah. I love Broadway I love my dog <laughs> I and, and being creative in that way um that is a that's a value that I've always held really close to my heart because I find it very uh gosh I think self-expression is the route to happiness Mm. In a lot of way. I, I think that's why theater helps a lot of kids. You know, they get to express what's inside of them. I think that journaling helps people. I think therapy helps people. Because being able to express what's inside of yourself, self-expression, if you really let it fully out, you know, without judging it, um, that's, I feel like that's the, the surest way to have a happy life mm. and you are going to judge it sometimes because it's you know you get self-critical and you doubt yourself and you don't know if you what you're doing is good enough to your own standards but also good enough to other people's standards and blah 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 yeah yeah for me that's one of my most important values yeah it's true. A lot of us go into the business to express ourselves either via, you know, a character or, you know, or a piece of art or, you know, like using that as a tool. Um, but once we become professionals, the limiting beliefs behind what it's supposed to look like, including you need to be suffering. <laughs> right. Oh, I found an article. I don't know. Well, I'm curious about this. I found an article. It was from 10 years ago. Like it was from, you know, it was from when you were doing Nina. And I'm curious to know um, if it still resonates with you. Do you mind if I, if I share what you said? And, sure. and you can, Okay, cool. So you said, um, I'm very hard on myself. And I always try to fix my problems on my own, just like Nina in the show. Like her, I have a tendency to isolate myself in times of stress and close off from the people who love me most. Mm-hmm still true. Yeah. Um, it's not that I shut, I, I, I would say today, when I shut people out, it's not on purpose. It's not like um, refusing to talk to somebody because I, you know, <laughs> I feel badly. Like my, my mom texted me six times yesterday. And I, but I was so busy that I didn't respond to any of them. And I feel like that is what it feels like when I, when I quote, shut people out. It's like, I feel so, um, I feel the weight of like trying to, to finish the task that's in front of me that I can't deal with that right now. Mm -hmm. I can't deal with the risk, like responding because if I get out of the zone of finishing the thing I'm looking at then it's going to be this back and forth and I won't be able to get in the zone again to finish the thing I need to finish. And then, yeah, I guess that there are some times when, when I feel it's, if I, if I'm 
struggling with something and I could use the help, I guess it depends on what it is. If it's something that I know someone else has mastery in and they can help me, then I'll help. Then I'll ask for the help. But if it's like a personal issue that I just need to figure out on my own, then I tend to keep it in and just try to figure it out on my own. <laughs> mm. um, or not. Because I I also don't like to look at things that need figuring out. I kind of just like sometimes wait to see if they'll go away. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's so interesting to me. It's funny. I, I often get asked, like, what did I go to college for? And, you know, when I was in high school, I wanted to, I loved science. I was terrified by climate change. And I, lo- I want to save the planet because I love mm-hmm. Mother Earth. Mm-hmm. And I applied to several schools for environmental science because mm. I thought maybe I'll go into being a lobbyist and like try and save the planet. And then I applied to several schools for music because I loved singing and theater. And I don't know what I would have done if I got into multiple schools, but I wasn't given the choice. The universe gave me acceptance to all the music schools I wanted and zero of the science schools I applied to. And I feel relief when that happens to me so much relief. I'm like, ah, the universe has decided I'm on the right path. This is where I'm supposed to go. (laughs) And I get like, uh, confidence from that. But yeah, I, when the choice is actually mine, that's when I get the paralysis by analysis. Yep. We're talking about, oh gosh, but then this, but then this, but then what if this, well then I learned the, the best, one of the best lessons of my life I got from, um, Fred Applegate, who was playing the wizard when I was in Wicked. And he he had a dressing room right next to mine. So we were always talking about life. And uh, one, one day he said, you know what? You worry a lot. You got to stop borrowing trouble. <laughs> I was like, what does that mean? He said, you know, you keep borrowing trouble. You keep looking to the future, thinking about possible things that could go wrong and putting that possible thing in the present and... You're borrowing trouble from the future and putting it now because you think that if you put it now, you can have some control over the situation that might happen. (laughs) And I was like, wow, that's really true. I do that. I do that. And it helped me so much because I realized that I have no control over the things that might happen. There's no way for me to know what might happen. And the things that, that will happen are never things you can plan for. So borrowing trouble is just a loop that makes you feel like you're doing something, but you're not doing anything. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, I love that. That is such a wonderful way to put it, right? Yeah. What a lesson. What a gift he gave you. Yeah, for sure. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah, no, Absolutely. Well, it brings us beautifully, segues us beautifully into the, what is your current definition and of living in the moment? So I was doing this thing when I was in a pandemic world in quarantine (laughs) and um, it put me perfectly in the moment and it's something I've never done before. And I was talking to a friend about it. She's like, how did you even come up with this? Why were you even doing this? But um I like to do this thing my husband calls um, combining treaties, where I will 
take two things I really like and do them at the same time. <laughs> and one of those things that I love is taking a hot shower and eating dark chocolate. So I, I will take a piece of dark chocolate. Whenever I go to the shower, I put a piece of dark chocolate right outside the shower curtain. And after I'm all in the shower and I'm lathered up and I'm relaxing, I take the dark chocolate and I just savor it in the shower. <laughs> and I combine my treats. And I was talking to a friend of mine and I said, have you ever tried combining two different senses that you wouldn't think of focusing on at the same time? Mm. Like how something tastes and how something feels or how something tastes while you're hearing, while you're focusing on how something sounds or how something sounds while you're focusing on how something smells or how something sounds while you're focusing on how so the texture of the seat that you're sitting on. Mm -hmm. And so I've, I was like experimenting with combining sensory awareness. Yeah. And I found it put me so in the moment that I was, it, it, it's crazy for me. The, it, it just like felt like my, my, my brain kind of like woke up and time slowed down so much and it, it gives you a not just an awareness of the world around you but also you know I find one of the other things that helps me with that is um when I one of my favorite things is to watch the clouds because I try to slow my inner world to the speed that the clouds are moving and that puts me really in the moment as well because mm -hmm. I go, 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 go in life and slowing down to the speed of nature mm. in terms of the clouds, but also like in terms of a tree or a plant, things grow slowly. And I think we are animals and we used to be in tune with that speed. And I think we go, we go so fast now. It's hard to remember that. Um, so living in the moment for me is like being able to really slow myself down to that slow speed, but then finding wonder and gratitude in that in that mix. Because mm -hmm. it's one thing to slow yourself down and feel slow, but non emotional or not anything. <sighs> that just brought up a lot of me because I've felt so many times in my life where I was like got to a place where I felt like numb inside and like not really responding to anything emotionally. So I don't want to go back there. I want to be in the place where everything has like, wow, this is so cool. And there's a lot of roads to roam. There's a lot of roads to get there. But for me, it's, it's slowing myself down. And I think the senses do that for me. You have, you have such a beautiful energy. You really do. And um, you're clearly, you know, sort of a empathetic, humble person. But I, I want to, I'm going to ask you to put humility aside just for a moment and ask you to tell me what are your, what are your unique gifts? Um, two things I think have come to, come to my head. Uh, one is that I still feel childlike in a lot of ways. In, a, in wonderful ways, not like naive. Oh, she's so naive. No, I feel like, I still feel like a little girl running through the forest, excited about 
the woods. I still feel, I still play a lot. Mm. And I hope I always do. It's funny. Um, I used to get really annoyed when people called me sweet. Not annoyed. I like when people say I'm sweet because I, I get that. It's a nice thing. But, um, but in my brain, I thought sweet, like sweet means young. That's what my brain says. Mm. My mind says, oh, they think you're sweet. Does that mean that I come off as young? And I like that I'm playful. And being goofy is something I learned from my dad. Mm. <laughs> one, of my, one of my last times I got to see him, we were... Um, saying goodbye at an airport and he pokes me on the shoulder and he goes whoop <laughs> and he starts laughing at himself and I was like you're such a nut but I and I love that I love that he still had that in his 70s he's like why not be a goofball like it's cool and and he had so much uh self-assuredness in who mm. he was that he felt playful even to the very end. Like, he never grew out of that. And I I love that about myself, too. And I hope I don't grow out of it. Even if it makes me come across young. I don't care. I love it. Um, the other thing that came to mind was I recently had a friend say, you're just very non-judgmental, right? You're just like a non-judgmental person. Like, people say things to you and you're just like, okay. Yeah, and I think that's true. I like no matter what anybody says to me, if they're feeling like I might judge them in some way, no, I don't. I don't think I have that quality or, or I don't go there. I'm just like, interesting. Wow. Whatever they say, mm -hmm. I feel very open to it. And because it's true for them and it's honest and it's who they are. If, if somebody's sharing something that's true and honest, I'm like, wh what, why would I judge that? What is there to judge? Mm. It's vulnerable. I think that is a quality that I value in myself, too. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that other people would notice that you are not judgmental. Like, they would notice that as a standout thing. And I know. I, I, that's, it's, it is weird. I mean, I, what do they expect that I'm going to say? Or, like think yeah. or look at them weird or whatever um but i i don't know why anyone would yeah that's not who you are that's not who you are what do you know will be true about you no matter what happens i think no matter what happens i'm always looking forward and knowing that it'll turn out better than i think it will mm. i'm an eternal optimist in that way mm -hmm. and I've always been like that. Um, I don't know where that comes from, but I tend to think that things are all for the best. And no matter what happens, <laughs> I mean, there was one time when I did not think that. But <laughs> that's because I had Bell's palsy and half my face was paralyzed and I thought I wouldn't be able to ever perform ever again. Then I didn't think that it was going to turn out for the best and all of that because I wanted to keep performing. 
but now you can see the gift, right? I bet you can see I the can gift see of that now. Yeah. So, so what if you, if that, I'm going to stop you there for a second, if it's okay. So if that had not happened to you, and of course, in the moment you felt that way, that you felt victimized by it, of course, but now from where you sit, if that had not happened, what would you not have learned or gained or what, what gift would you not have had? Oh, I definitely know the answer to that. I talk about it in my solo show, actually. Mm. Um, I was at a point in my acting career where I wanted to give up. I was disillusioned by the industry. I didn't feel like I was get making much progress. Um, and I didn't feel the joy that I had for it when I first started out. Mm. So... It gave me, like, I guess, what people got out of pandemic when they were like, it gave me a chance to step back and I couldn't do it. So then I had to reevaluate, do I still love it? That whole thing happened to me then. That happened to me when I had Bell's palsy. Yeah. And I really discovered that I did love it. I discovered that I was, I guess, you know, not just that did I love it, and what did I, was I excited to keep acting and singing? Yes. But also the uh, standard that we put ourselves, the standards of beauty that society puts us to has never been tested so much as when your face can't smile and your eye can't blink and half of your face is sagging and the other half is not. And you're being able to, to get that uh, physical capability back where you can smile again and your face looks normal again and you can express yourself expression express yourself because when you had Bell's palsy you couldn't actually talk and you sm- couldn't smile and if you were joyful inside nobody could see it because you just look lopsided like being able to have self-expression again and having that be so beautiful instead of what people tell you is beauty yeah that brought me that too. Oh, absolutely. And it'd be hard as a, as a, you know, as a, someone like yourself, who I'm sure has been told over and I mean, you're a, you are a physically beautiful person by standards of, I mean, yeah, right. I mean, you can't. I mean, to, to a lot, to some standards and then other in the industry, they're like, well, you're not like supermodel hot. You're more like <laughs> sweet next girl next door pretty yeah. <laughs> so like oh my so gosh yeah and and you know the word the words like you know we need to get granular with our words we need to use our words more carefully because sweet to you is different than me sweet with the chocolate bar is different than sweet <laughs> of licorice which is different uh-huh. than i mean it, you know and it's it's um people need to just think <laughs> they need to think before they speak you know but um okay let me can you finish this phrase most people think Ariel Jacobs is, but the truth is. Mm. Most people think Ariel Jacobs is a self-assured badass, but the truth is she only feels that way some of the time. And how does, she, how does she feel the rest of the time or some of the other time? Probably many ways. It's a spectrum, I'm sure. <laughs> many ways. Yeah. The other times, um, yeah. I think I live in a, a spectrum of he- hesitancy to self-confidence that is always moving. Mm. And 
I think I've had a lot of experiences in my life where I thought I was being nice and clear and myself and self-expressed like we talk about Mm -hmm. and uh but I get you know I get received a different way or perceived a different way and because of that I'm like oh how do I how can I communicate or express myself in a way that doesn't make people feel like I'm I have a wall there um yeah, I've, I don't know. I don't know. It's like... I get tongue-tied writing emails. I get so nervous about how do I say this thing but still come off friendly, but be direct and, you know, say what I, what I want or say what I can offer if I'm doing like uh, a business thing. And then there's that whole like, have you seen those memes about emails written from a man versus written by from a woman? And it's like, <laughs> you know, like put in too many exclamation points or like, I mean, I'm a I'm a positive person and I'm an excitable person. And I get worried about not being taken seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, not just in emails, but in life, because I sound young. Mm. My voice is young. I've been told I sound like I'm 12. I get that a lot. I get that a lot where I, and I guess it's the sweet, right, the sweetness. My voice is healthy. It's not low. It's not damaged. It's healthy. And because it's healthy, and I have proper technique because I'm a singer, you know, I speak in a in a way that I get, I think people, yeah, people just wouldn't take me as seriously if as if I sounded older or sounded like a man or was a man. So, it's just so interesting to me because it, it's obviously a very <laughs> sweet spot. No, it's it, not not a sweet <laughs> spot. It's actually more of a sour spot for you. Well, it's it, it, but I. Am I, am I, I don't know enough about you to know, but at some point in your life, did, did being sweet really help you? Not being sweet, but being called sweet, considered sweet. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When did that stop working for you in the way that you feel aligned with? Because I'm sure it still works for you. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure the buzz in the industry is that, oh my gosh, she's sweet and people love that. Oh, I want to work with her. But you don't like that clearly. You don't like, and I, I get that. So I'm just curious to know, like, at what point did you start noticing that it really was triggering for you a little bit? Well, only when people tell me I sound young and to I hear. But what's, wrong, what's wrong with sounding young? I think it's harder for me to, in terms of the businesses that I'm starting and things, I think it's a lot harder to be taken seriously, either saying what you want in like a negotiation or having boundaries when, when you don't sound intimidating, I would say in air quotes, I mean, or serious, serious about your boundaries or serious about what you want. It, it's a very, um, I think it's an evolutionary thing 
that people respond to in the voice. When people are making a point, they get really low and really gravelly. And if you don't take, if you don't do this thing, then this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And there's that like, if you, if you need to like threaten or you need to like go somewhere yeah. that like gets people to feel a certain way or mm-hmm. motivate them to action or do something like that, then you can't sound like you're 12 because they're going to laugh at you. Have people laughed at you? No, not to my face. <laughs> so you, so you're, you, there's a story going on that you think people, but, but it, it's really interesting because I would challenge you to say, A, you could change your voice if you wanted to, you've just done it, but you've chosen, you're choosing not to, but what you, what, no, what I'm you, cho- I, mm. oh, okay. No, I would, I would totally choose to change my voice to but make you, me, but you, you can change your voice if you want to. But it's not something I can do healthily sustaining for a lifetime and still be able to sing the way I do. Aha. Okay. So it's, it's not worth it to you. So, so right now you've got, you've got this thing that bugs the hell out of you and all these limiting, limiting beliefs about if I sound like this there, then I won't be confident. Um, but you're not, but you've also drawn the line of, but I'm not going to change the way I am, which is, which is great because the higher value is your body. You want to protect your body and your instrument, which I think is, is brilliant. Um, but you don't, I mean, it never occurred to me that you sound like a child. Well, that's good. That's good. And I, this, this conversation that you and I are having is probably heightened by the fact that it's been on the forefront of my mind for the last two days. So really learning how to speak in a healthy place where I don't lose my voice, having the vocal demands that are coming up for me. I also got like my voiceover agent recently was like, you know, your regular voice is pretty high for a lot of the stuff you're auditioning for. So I would only talk in your normal voice if your character you're auditioning for for voiceover is um, a teenager or younger. And if it says 20s, 30s, 40s, you need to pitch your voice lower. Oh. So. But you can do that. I mean, you're, I mean, that's the craft. Yeah. You can do, you can do that. But yeah. I'm not, I, you can do that. I mean, I mean, in the context of work, I can, you can do whatever you, you can do that. I know you can. Um, I, I think what I'm hearing is that you're tying it to who you are in the, in the world. In the real, yes, I am. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where there's a, an opportunity to sort of, you know, re, revisit and understand what that is. <laughs> um, but I want to, I'd like to finish if it's okay with you to do this little rapid fire. I'm going to say what makes you and okay. you say, you say the first thing that comes to your mind. All right. So what makes you hungry? Thai food. Mm. Same. <laughs> what makes you sad? The idea of people around the world and everywhere, not just outside of this country, but everywhere, who are in any form of slavery, who don't mm. have control over their own life. What inspires you? I get inspired when I see something or, or, or read something that makes me feel a lot and in a way that I didn't expect. It's usually something artistic, like a piece of art or a performance. And I just, if I feel completely in awe of and blown away, like, how did they do that? Or how did they think of that? Or how did they go there? I guess, yeah, I'm inspired when I... I'm just completely blown away by someone's artistic expression. What makes you frustrated? 
Well, I tend to get frustrated when, you know how I said I'm an optimist? Mm-hmm. And I'm, not only am I always thinking things will work out the best that they can work out, I'm always also actively trying to find solutions when things are not working out. Mm-hmm. And I tend to get frustrated when, <laughs> it's funny I'm bringing this up because I said how like people think I'm not judgmental when they're expressing things. It's true. If someone's expressing something, I'm not judgmental of their thoughts or something, but if they are in a negative space that lingers for so long and they don't want any, they, if they are stuck, but they want to be stuck, that frustrates me. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I'll have conversations, I've had conversations with friends where I'm like, if they're stuck and they're complaining about something and it's obvious they don't like where they are emotionally with whatever they're dealing with. And I hear them and I recognize and acknowledge that they're upset. But I'm also, because of my, who I am, I'm, I'm trying to figure out solutions. I'm trying mm-hmm. to figure out like, which way can we go here or there? And when people don't want the solutions, they just want to complain. It just frustrates me. Mm-hmm. What makes you, what makes you laugh? My dog. When he's being playful. <laughs> what makes you angry? I, back to the thing that makes me sad. Angry. I'm angry that people enslave other people. Um, and finally, what makes you grateful? Conversations like this, where people are interested with the inner world of another person. Mm. Yeah. No, absolutely. So, um, what are the what are the top three things that have happened so far today? Three uh, things today. Um, yeah. This conversation with you, definitely one mm-hmm. of them. Mm, playing with my dog, <laughs> and having a, I guess, a successful practice session with my husband earlier today on the healthiest vocal placement for speaking. What is something you're really looking forward to? I think getting back in a rehearsal studio next week for for this new musical I'm in the workshop for. Being in the process of developing a new show is very, very exciting for me. Singing material that I've never heard on a record somewhere. This is mm. brand new music. And also just like the the story that this particular show is, is really timely and empowering as a woman. So. Oh, that's great. How exciting. How exciting. Ariel, it's been such a, such a joy, really a distinct joy speaking with you today. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I have been speaking today with Ariel Jacobs. I'm Lisa Hopkins. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and healthy, everyone. And remember to live in the moment. In music, stop time is that beautiful moment where the band is suspended in rhythmic unison, supporting the soloist to express their individuality. In the moment, I encourage you to take that time and create your own rhythm. Until next time, I'm Lisa Hopkins. Thanks for listening.